I'm Sandy Swallow. I'm Okalala Lakota and Northern Cheyenne. I've been an artist for over 30 years and through my artwork have portrayed my heritage. Now I'm starting a brand new venture called Lakota Link and I'm here to share with you and I hope you enjoy it. Lakota Link. Greetings from the home of the Seven Council Fires, land of the 1868 Fort Laramie Treaties, bringing stories old and new of Lakota values, courage, respect, wisdom, to name a few. Well, hello. I hope everybody's nice and warm and safe and healthy today. It's been a real cold spell here in the in South Dakota and Fort Laramie Treaties country. Uh, it's been actually below zero. Uh, we got minus 16, and today it's above zero, so we're enjoying that. Today I thought I'd bring you a podcast that's kind of personal to me, and it's about my great-grandfather, Benjamin Buckner Mills. And he was kind of a man of mystery, actually. Uh, When I was at Fort Laramie years ago, and the librarian walked by and saw my name, and asked me then if I was happened to be related to Eli Swallow. And she took me up into the archives because he had been stationed there as a soldier, had mustered out in 1864, so it was before the treaties were signed, which for a while there I, I didn't put two and two together. I, I just knew he was at Fort Laramie. But my other great-grandfather, and I told her this, I said his name was Benjamin Mills, or, and I had no idea that it was Buckner Mills, but she had quite a record on him because he happened to be a sutler at the store. Now, the, I'm naming this podcast A Man of Mystery, and the reason is because... Uh, in the census of 1860, he put his birth date that he, he was born in Michigan. And at that time, his age was 26. Well, the next census must have been 1870. Ten years later, his age was, he put as 38. And um, he said he was born in Kentucky. Then there has also been throughout the family a little talking uh, that perhaps he was born in Pennsylvania. But I personally think that he was born in England. And the only reason I think that is because my mom told me that. So that would have been her grandfather, and she said he came from England. 
So he he was there at Fort Laramie and fell in love with Sally Bush and married her there. One of the, their offspring was my grandpa, Ben Mills. But uh, when I look at his records there, it's, I find it very interesting. He, For one thing, he had a beautiful handwriting because there's a lot of times that he wrote down things because he was actually the sutler at the store there. And, you know, I didn't know too much about what was considered um, sutler. There was this book written by John Hunton at Fort He was a Fort Laramie scout, and he uh, wrote this one information in December of 1928. And here he, he tells exactly what the sutler's job was, which, of course, I didn't know. And he, he tells that in a re- recent issue of the Scout, noticed an account of Mr. Snell finding a sutler check in the old store at the old fort. And then he's talking about about this and said, um, I'm presenting presuming to offer you a history of the manufacture use of the mediums of trade. In the summer of 1868, there was quite a large business, and it was carried on at that storeroom, averaging more than $100 a day for two months. Now remember back then, that was a huge amount of money. In cash, taken over counter beside some sales going on the books. The average garrison of soldiers at that time was about 450, and there were 300 teamsters, hay handlers, wood choppers. Greenbacks consisted of $1 bills up to $1,000. And then it said... Um, Shin plasters, which I'd never heard that word before, consisted of five cent, ten cent, twenty-five cent, and fifty cent notes. On these, through mutilation and discount, amounted to a considerable sum each day to the sutler store, as we sometimes had as much as fifty dollars of them taken in into a day's business. It says, I think, but as not certain, there were sixteen or 1,500 coins made, 6,050 cents, the size of a half a, half a dollar, and 6,025 cents, the size of these of a quarter, and 3,010 cents, the size of two-thirds of a quarter. As I remember, all were stamped on one side with S.E. Ward Sutler, U.S.A., Fort Laramie, and on the other side, good for 50 cents in Sutler Goods. These coins were good for their face value from about the 1st of November, 1867 to August, 1871, when Mr. Ward went out of business. He took them with him when he left Fort Laramie in 
1871. He died in 1908 at Kansas City, Missouri, a wealthy man. These coins were intended for the use of soldiers only, and under the Army regulations at the time, settlers were permitted and were safe in, so under those conditions, to credit the soldiers, a percentage of the soldiers' pay, but it required a written order from the company to settler for each separate amount, and the settler had to present each order to the paymaster on payday. The amount was deducted from the soldier's pay and handed over to the settler. After the settler's checked system was adopted, the company commander would give a soldier an order in the amount of the settler's check, and he would spend it at the store just as he liked. So they obviously even was able to make their own coins, which I find amazing, the thought of that. But uh, how Ben Mills, I'll call him B.B. Mills, so we don't get mixed up with my grandpa, Ben Mills. How B.B. Mills uh, got the job of settler, I have no idea. He was very well trusted by the Indians because he married my great-grandmother, Sally Bush, and she was a full-blood Indian, uh, Sue. We, She had some very strong connections with Chief Red Cloud. In fact, in some of my history, I have come across the idea that she was related to Chief Red Cloud, and I, I will have to pursue that more. What I know about Ben Mills, he was an honest man, and and he cared about the welfare of the Native Americans, the Indians at Fort Laramie. And there's a picture of him in 1868 meeting. The picture says a meeting of the U.S. Peace Commissioners and Indian Chiefs. And it names it from left to right, Red Bear, Ben Mills, Pax, his drums, W.G. Bullock, Amos Betu, Old Man Afraid of His Horses, and James Bardot. So this has kind of got me puzzled that perhaps he was also appointed to what was known as the U.S. Peace Commissioners. I do know that he was fluent in in the uh, Indian languages, and I'm not sure for Sue for sure, but perhaps others, since he was right there at the fort and was there for so many years, and um, well thought of there. I don't know very much about Sally Bush Mills. Uh, my great-grandmother, but I do have some letters here, and and uh, one is from the Whetstone Agency in 1869. Now, Ben Mills died 
at a young age. He he wasn't very old. I think he was in his 30s when he died. And I'm, I'm not really sure how he died, but he's buried there over there by Chugwater, Wyoming. And Sally had to leave, of course. She had a family. She had the kids. And he died in 1870, and my grandpa, Ben Mills, was born in 1870. So he never really got to know his his dad. Here's a little bit of a of what happened. It's out of a book, Mountain Men and the Fur Trade, and uh, it's telling about Fort Laramie trains arrived the present week with 12,000 buffalo robes besides furs, pelts, etc. The trains belonged to Mr. Ward and Geary, extensive traders in the mountains and filled the streets leading into town. The wagons looked like immense elephants being filled high above the beds and tightly covered with tarps. This is the richest received at any one time in the present season. And then it says, while Ward played the gentile, genteel proprietor in the Adobe Settler store at Fort Laramie, it was William Garnier conducted the profitable Indian trade, assisted by B.B. Mills and Antoine Janice and others. The famous partnership came to an abrupt end on February 16, 1858. On that date, Garnier was blown up when sparks from his pipe ignited a powder keg at a trading camp on the Niobrara River near present Lusk, Wyoming. Later, it appears that Mills and Janice managed the Indian trade with headquarters at Ward's old location at Sandpoint. So he was quite a businessman in his own way. I have another a letter where uh, this was written by um, William McDie, Major at the 4th Infantry. I have a letter, and it says, Mr. Mills, do you or does Ledoux know of any opportunity of communicating now with any of the northern Indians, Sioux, Cheyennes, and Arapahoes? Very respectfully, William McDie, Major 4th Infantry. So this makes me think that he... Not only was he held in high esteem by the Indians and trusted by them, but he was also trusted by the the army, the people stationed there, because he's being asked his opinion. Now, you know, when we think back and what a frontiersman was, it's kind of you know, it wasn't quite like Little House on the Prairie, although she was a great writer and, and really was able to put down 
so you could visualize what it was like as a little girl and how she felt safe and how her mom and dad took care of her and her family. But, you know, back then, to be a frontiersman and to that took a lot of courage. And I have a report here. It's early day happenings in the vicinity of Fort Laramie, as told by John Hunton, Fort Laramie scout. And he he told this in 1927. So he, you know, it was fairly within 30, 40 years, the recollection. And, and so, you know, I think it would be a pretty good, accurate story that he told. Okay, part of it tells about this W.G. Bullock. And W.G. Bullock was um, a partner with B.B. Mills. But, of course, he didn't die at the young age that B.B. did. It says, A great many thrilling incidents has occurred between the whites and Indians during the late 60s and early 70s along the Chugwater Creek, which shows the continuous watchfulness that had had to be kept up by the white men to protect their lives and property from the Indians. In the winter of 1869 and 1870, Ben Mills, who had a small herd of stock cattle on the Laramie River, had suffered heavily from the Indian depredations, moved the herd to Chugwater Creek, and in the early spring, the herders, David Cotler and John Board, and Williams August established their camp at the mouth of Richards Creek. They lived in a tent and had three horses in which they did all the herding and teamwork. One morning in April 1870, Mr. Cotier took the team and wagon and went to Fort Laramie for supplies, leaving the one horse with Boyd and August. They had four milk cows and kept the calves confined in a small pen to entice the cows to come in at night. After Cotier left for the fort, they milked the cows and turned them out to the pen. They took their rifles and walked to the top of the hills nearby to see if the cattle were much scattered. They thought they were away from the camp for about four hours or more, and after getting back to the camp feeling very tired, they went to the tent and pulled off their boots to rest and ease their feet, and they were lying down on their beds, which were buffalo robes spread on the ground. When a volley was fired by the Indians through the tent, each man grabbed his rifle and cartridge belt and dashed out of the tent through the willows into the Chugwater Creek, As they were lying flat on the ground, they were fortunately not touched by the bullets, 12 of them fired by the Indians. They were then in Chugwater Creek, barefooted and no coats, four miles from Bardot and eight miles below Chugwater Station. 
As the Indians saw the men go into the willows with their rifles, they knew it would be dangerous to expose themselves. Boyd had been a soldier and had campaigned in Florida and in Oregon against the Indians and had twice wounded by arrows, so was not easily excited. After deliberating a short time, he and August decided it would be safe safest to go to the creek as the banks of the creek were much higher and there was much timber there that was down the stream. They took time and great care. The Indians discovered them in the creek just below Chimney Rock and fired several shots at them again about a mile from the Chimney Rock. They were shot at but not hit. Boyd in August did not fire a shot. There was a camp of white men and half-breeds at the point of rocks, two miles below Chugwater Station, which Boyd and August reached before dark and were well cared for there. The next day they had a part of the men went to their camp and found the Indians that had killed the four cows and four calves and burned the tent and everything connected to it. So there it tells the story about Ben Mills losing his his cows and his calves and that just come come out of the blue, you know, that I think every man back then carried at least a rifle and it was because of snakes or mountain lions or whoever might try to to get them and so it was it was definitely a hard life and I think about my great grandmother Sally when uh, she was widowed at a young age and had to take care of her her little family and I'm thinking that must kind of been why she ended up at Fort Robinson. She decided the best action for her family was to um, go down and be with her people, her her tribe. And that's just part of the story. And I'm hoping to have a special guest on next week and his, he's my elder cousin. His name's Walt Mills. And we, we'll discuss a little bit about B.B. Mills because Walt has spent many years um, doing a lot of research. He's kind of the historian in the family. and He knows a lot. And him being older, he knew Grandpa Mills where I didn't really get to know him very well. And so... Hopefully, he'll share some things next week. But I'm going to continue on with the, my Mills family, which my mother was Ethel Mills, and she married my dad, Woodrow Swallow. And in some respects, they they had kind of similarities that their grandparent, grandparents was... Eli Swallow was a Frenchman and married in uh, Rosebud Sioux. And Benjamin Mills was an Englishman and married 
a Lakota. And so in that respect, they had similarities. But um, back to B.B. Mills, uh, with his being the settler at the store, I just, I've got a really interesting letter that was written about him. And also where Chief Red Cloud respected him and wanted him to be made agent of what was to be Pine Ridge Reservation. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, that you join me next week. And, you know, I, if you have some ideas that you'd like me to do a podcast on, uh, I really do appreciate any ideas you might give and, and would try to do them. You know, sometimes it's not always possible because actually in this day and age, you can't just go to the phone book and look up a n- name and phone number most people have their cell phones and they aren't listed and sometimes it's very hard to get a hold of people. I've had a few people request me to interview certain people and you know if you have somebody you want me to interview and have any contact information I'd always appreciate that because I I think this is just going to be a great learning experience for us and thank you so much for listening today bye well i hope you enjoyed our segment you know i i enjoy visiting with the people and if you did go to sandyswallowgallery.com where you can find my artwork and find some history and some background please subscribe to it or If you have some comments, we would love to hear your opinion. This is a new adventure for us, and I value your opinion. This song is written and sung by my good friend, Quincy Goodstar. Lakota Link is here to share Lakota values. God bless you on your journey. Wopila. Thank you for joining us. Take care.